Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Welcome back to another episode of the Golden Goal Podcast. I am James Carr, joined as always by Drew Collins. We are here joined by Jonathan Tannenwald, also known as at the goalkeeper on Twitter, cover soccer for Philly.com. Going to talk with us in the uh, wake of the heartbreak, the 7-6 penalty kick loss to Kansas City in the U.S. Open Cup, the uh, Philadelphia Union falling in a um, tragic repeat of one year ago. We uh, are also going to talk a little bit about updates in our favorite soccer character in the world, Sepp Blatter. And uh, I'll ask Jonathan a little bit about Philadelphia's success and how Atlanta might be able to model that. But before we, um, we patch in Jonathan, it's a big weekend for Drew and I. Uh, you may recall the last episode, which was a couple of weeks ago. We were mentally preparing for the University of Georgia Bulldogs to take on South Carolina and um, made the unfortunate comparison. I guess that's what we would call it, right, Drew? The unfortunate comparison to Arsenal Football Club as a whole, particularly under the Arsene Wenger regime. But since then, the dogs have really been shining uh, truly remarkable performances from quarterback Grayson Lambert both Drew and I are going to the game this weekend Drew I want to ask you a specific question does it make you feel more confident or less confident that Georgia is actually favored over Alabama in this one more confident because those guys those guys in Vegas know more than I do so, I mean, you know, they're saying we have a better than 50% chance of winning. I'm, I'm cool with that. Uh, I, it's much better than being a 17-point uh, underdog. I'll say that. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and Arsenal, man, I <laughs> once again, Arsenal is Arsenal. And let's just, before we take those comparisons to another level, let's just hope it doesn't end badly for Georgia. Let's, let's hope they can get the win. <laughs> yeah, let's hope the comparison ended with our last podcast. because yes. otherwise. It means Alabama is going to have an awful lot of fun at the likes of the University of Georgia in Athens, by the way. Can't wait to be there. Um, But let's get uh, right into the main topic of uh, conversation, which would be the Philadelphia Union. Jonathan, take us through the the heartbreak that was the U.S. Open Cup last night. Well, first of all, before I do that, I'd be kind of terrified of being favored against the Nick Saban coach Alabama team. <laughs> See, that's the reason why I asked is because I've had the same response from a lot of friends, and so it's definitely livening up the butterflies I, in my stomach. I, I don't, I don't watch as much college football as I used to, fellas. But um, you know, I, that Georgia to Arsenal comparison. I watch a lot of Arsenal. I watch a lot more Arsenal than I do at Georgia, but it seems pretty apt. 
Oh, it is. <laughs> we had a very depressing breakdown of that in our last podcast. If you care to revisit, um, no, I'll, I'll, I'll spare you the trouble. Um, but as far as far as heartbreak, oh, as far as heartbreak is concerned, uh, you know, I'm not a union fan. I'm not from Philadelphia originally. I'm from Washington D.C. originally. But I, uh, you know. These fans who have given so much, who are the reason why this team exists. I, I wish them success. I wish Jim Curtin, the union manager, success because uh, I think very highly of him and I think that he's a very good coach. He's just hamstrung by a front office that doesn't have the resources and the savvy to make up for the lack of money. Um, you know, Jim has said a couple times now that the hardest thing to do is to win your first trophy. And when you watch when you watch the last two not just this Open Cup final but last year's too, it's uh it's hard to disagree with him, you know? Right. I mean and, and I agree with that. It, it, learning how to win is a process and you see that and it, and it's you have to develop it and it's a characteristic of a team and you see it so often in a bunch of and the one, you know, uh, James and I always revert back to talking about college football when we do soccer, but right now you look at the University of Tennessee who hasn't won anything in forever, and they just keep on um, throwing these games away. And it's like, well, and I, I hate to say I told you so, but, I mean, they haven't learned how to win. And it, there's every really sport. something, yeah, every sport, there's something to that. I totally agree with you. I, I do, you know, I do basketball. Uh, I do college basketball much more than I do college football. And boy, do you see it every March, again and again and again and again and again. You know, mm-hmm. you got your little guy who's up by ten points with with five minutes to go, or whatever it is. You know, your 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 eleven seed playing your six or your fourteen playing your three, and the, all of a sudden the light switch goes and they figure it out. And mm-hmm. I think that's you know obviously the gap between the Union and Kansas City is not that big, but I think we saw some of that. Uh, last night down at PPL Park that, that Sporting, you know, it's funny, Peter Vermes actually said after the game, Sporting Kansas City's manager, he said, you know, he, re- he reminded that um, at the 2013, was it MLS Cup, when they beat, when they beat RSL? In that game, RSL scored first. Uh, and then Kansas City came from behind and won. And he right. talked about how many guys who were on the field last night were in that game, mm. and so they'd had that experience. They knew, they knew what to do, and they went out and they did it. Yeah. They do deserve a lot of credit. Hey, what what did you make of of the I guess controversial move of subbing the goalkeeper? Well, here's what I made of it. It worked, and that's all <laughs> that matters. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's totally true. Uh, and I. Your comparison makes me think a little bit um, about the MLS as a whole in terms of learning to win. But I'm particularly, I was watching, um, there were some highlights put together about uh, Didier Drogba. Uh, and he's, he's just, he scored some ridiculously good goals. Um, and, and somewhere he just seems to be totally toying with defenders in the MLS. And um, I mean, a part of me, it made me think of, a, of two things, really, but they're very closely related. And one was that, you know, I think the, the MLS is certainly progressing. It is certainly getting better. 
they certainly attract talent. But whether the players in the league are sort of ready to step into that realm still remains to be seen. But it also made me think that if Drogba can come here at 37, 38 years old and, and play with defenders like puppets on a string, does that actually mean we've not come as far as we think? Well, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute now. Drogba is not your average 37 or 38-year-old soccer player. He established that last season at Chelsea. He is a fitness freak. You know, he is in fantastic shape. And he's got it. He's clearly still got it. And who's in that circumstance, you know, who's to deny him? I'm not. You know, I don't think any of us are. Um, I don't think, I. you know, I, I just, I think he's still got it. And I think that if he didn't, You know, maybe MLS would have signed him, maybe not. I don't know. But, you know, it's been said, you know, Robbie Keane has said it and and other players have said it. The players who are out there on the field, they're not giving you any respect or deference because you're Didier Drogba, you're Frank Lampard or wherever. They're going to go out and kick you. They're going to go out and play soccer just like they would against anybody else. And if he's going out and beating them, the more power to him. I, I have nothing to complain about. Oh, absolutely, uh, no complaints. It was just, uh, well, yeah, I think you're, I think you're, you're probably right. It's really just more of a credit to uh, Drogba, and, and frankly, it's great to see over here because that kind of play that he is putting on the field is again going to be attractive both for young American players thinking about playing soccer, but also for anyone else who's thinking about what league to play it. Um, you know, if, if someone can come here and, and make themselves look like a superstar then, or fill in that role, um, as you, you're sort of seeing Giovinco do as well, um, you know, more power to, to them as well. Right. Um, no, I, I, think, I think that's right. And, and you know, we, we, we like to get down on ourselves because we're not England and we're always comparing ourselves to England. And, oh, my gosh, England, and blah, 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 blah. You know, I hate it. We don't... What I say about MLS, and I've been covering MLS for over a decade now, I'm not going to sit here and overhype it to the moon and say it's one of the great leagues in the world. It obviously has flaws, and everybody knows it has flaws. Even the people who champion it know it has flaws. But I'm not going to slate it for what it's not. You know, I'm not going to overpraise it for what it's not. I'm not going to slate it for what it's not. And I hope that folks in Atlanta... You know, when things get started down there, they're going to be able to look at it and say, yeah, it's, it's, we understand. That's tough. It's tough to understand sometimes. I get that. But I think it's doable. Well, Jonathan, let, let, let me ask you this. Um, you kind of hit on Atlanta, and James and I always kind of throw it back to the Atlanta MLS team. I know it's um, I don't know, 16, 18 months away before it gets here. Um, our ownership situation is a lot different than one you're accustomed to uh, with the Philadelphia Union. What are some things you think that we can learn from as far as the union? Well, I don't know how much you're going to learn. Good, from good the or union. bad. Good or bad. I, I, know I, don't know how, I don't know how much you're going to learn from the union because the circumstance 
is mm-hmm. totally different. Um, but you better learn from New England. Because yeah, that's put the them model in a big that's stadium. Well, not so much that, but if your owner says that he's going to give credence, you know, and, and importance to the soccer team, hold him to it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't, I don't know too much more about Arthur Blank than what I have heard from people I know who live down there. But my understanding is that he's pretty well respected and liked, and people appreciate what he's done with the Falcons. And I know there's been some controversy about how they're getting this new stadium built, you know, and the, you know, the property issues and stuff like that. But people uh, seem to think pretty started. highly of him. Well, no, I, I don't intend to. But I, my understanding, and, and my understanding is that on the whole, people think pretty highly of Arthur Blank, and they see him as a a reasonably honest dealer by the standards of sports ownership. And if he's not, please tell me I'm wrong. Uh, and I'll be happy to admit that I'm wrong. But I just, you know, I, if he says something, hold him to it. That's what I'd say. Well, I think that's, uh, I think you're, that's a pretty fair characterization. Would you agree, Drew? Yeah, I think so. I, I think Arthur Blank actually does care. And I think that that goes a long way because, you know, even when we go to these uh, small community type events, he, is there, and so I think his support it can be seen. He's visible, and thus far he's, he's shown a lot. We'll you know we'll see what happens when um, in 2018. But um, with the Falcons, you you really have to give him a pat on the back. He's the best ownership that they've had in probably their history. Right, but I will say that going back to uh, learning how to be patient, that is something Atlanta fans are are very familiar with, especially Braves fans. Mm-hmm. Well, um, look, Philadelphia, yeah. Philadelphia fans are forced to be patient, and they sure don't like it. <laughs> no, they don't like it. Uh, it now, how is the crowd, as far as um, Union fans, Sons of Ben, I mean, he has a reputation for having pretty harsh fans. Are they that way as well? Oh, really? <laughs> really? Well, I was just—I don't know. I was just thinking at that time they were—they threw snowballs at Santa. I, no, stop I, it! Stop it! Stop it! <laughs> I'm, first of all, I'm not okay. I'm not from here, as I, as I told you guys earlier. I'm from DC originally. So let me let me disabuse you guys, as I I, I do try to stick up for the whole snowballs with Santa thing and try to explain <laughs> to people and, and disabuse folks of this notion that they think it just sort of happened for the hell of it. it. My my reading of the history books is that it was a some you know substitute Santa Claus actor from the original and he didn't do a good job. <laughs> well, guess what? Was he handing out coal? Well, he was like standing in the middle of the football stadium doing some comedy act or whatever it was, and it, you know. Oh, that's great. Uh, that is funny. Well, uh, you know, you'd certainly expect people to boo him. Sure, sure. Look, I mean, you know, I, we're, I don't think we're criticizing the, the Philadelphia fans as much as we are laughing at the, uh, the the situation, the comedic situation as a whole. But I will say, now getting on to a, a slightly more serious issue, which does tie in uh, your home state, I noticed this week that uh, I believe the Eagles are, are facing Washington, and the Eagles... Landover. What's that? I call I call them the Landover team. Well, right. I mean, <laughs> That's my own to, grudge. And to your point, the the Eagles did not put Washington's logo anywhere on the the uh, media guide. Uh, you know where what, what where do you see that that whole battle 
uh, ending up for Dan Schneider? Or do you think it ends with him getting kicked out somehow? He's never going to change the name. He's just never going to change the name. And I used to be, you know, I'm 31 now and be 32 in November. For the first 28, 29 years of my life, I was a diehard fan. You know, I had superstitions about which Sundays I could wear jerseys on and it would have to be alternating. And then if I missed one or did it twice in a row, they'd lose and it would screw up the rest of the season, you know. <laughs> um, and I I could tell you, I grew up singing the fight song all the time. And I have, in in my life, I've owned since I was probably four year, four or five years old when I got my first jersey, and I, I threw for 25 years or whatever it was. I owned a total of three: Art Monk, Daryl Green, and Clinton Portis. And the Daryl Green one, which <laughs> I've probably had for 12 to 15 years now, it still fits, you know. That's good. Somehow. Um, yeah. When they signed to Sean Jackson, I took the lot of it. All, everything that I own, burgundy and gold, except the Daryl Green jersey because I have too much respect for him. And I threw the whole thing in the Goodwill bin. Gave it away. Why Deshaun Jackson, I have to ask? Because he's a punk. And because he's, well, now, okay, granted. I was up here when the whole thing went down about his house getting broken into and all that stuff. And he – I thought that some other things were going to end up being reported about him uh, if they could be proven to be true. And they were – they at least – well, they haven't been yet, ultimately. <laughs> I can't tell you whether they ever will be, which means that I can't come out and say them because I don't know if they're true. But you know right. stuff you hear. Gotcha. That and it's it's uh, I don't know. It just that was the for whatever reason you know I I've I can't stand Dan Snyder. Nobody likes Dan Snyder. Nobody in Washington. Everybody likes to make fun of the Washington fans, whatever you know, and bash Dan Snyder. But guess what? All the Washington fans they hate Dan Snyder too. Yeah. And everybody hates FedEx Field. Nobody likes going there. It's out in the it's out in the suburbs, and there's too much traffic, and the metro's too far away, and it doesn't have any atmosphere or soul or whatever. People would rather go to RFK, even though it's fallen down. Um, when did they but build he's never going to sell FedEx the Field? Ninety six, maybe ninety seven, I think. Okay. He's never. He's never. He's never going to change the name. It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And maybe that somebody will have the ability to force him someday, but it I doesn't seem to me, you guys can weigh in if you like, it sure doesn't seem to me like Roger Goodell is going to be that person. Well, no, I think Roger Goodell has shown that he will take any number of bullets for the uh, ownership uh, uh, NFL owners. Um, so, no, I don't. I don't think so at all. And after all, the owners do pay his salary, so uh, he <laughs> he works for Dan Snyder. Uh, so, he, I, no, I don't see that changing. But uh, if we can segue this to uh, another uh, wealthy, stubborn sports personality, uh, Sepp Blatter was, I believe, officially 
questioned in his FIFA office today, or this week rather, by by Swiss officials investigating uh, further into corruption. I believe it was uh, a $2 million payment to uh, UEFA president Michael Platini that is under scrutiny right now. Of course, Platini is the current favorite to take over for Sepp Blatter whenever he does resign. But even amidst the criminal investigation that is now specifically targeting Sepp Blatter, which it was not before, he is still coming out and saying, I refuse to resign. I will wait until February. Now, I, I found myself wondering today if Sepp Blatter is actually a genius, that given his personality, somewhat aloof personality, he's been known to say some just stupid things. I always go back to the racism can be cured with a handshake quote. But And, you know, the women should wear shorter shorts and all. Yes. Godfather of women's soccer said the women should wear shorter shorts. Exactly. Now, has he created such a a personality that he he cannot be attacked? He seems to be unassailable at this point. He's, like, so assailable that he's unassailable. I I don't think that he's unassailable. And the only reason why I don't think he's unassailable is because... The FBI is conducting a classic racketeering operation right now. Okay. You know, go up the food chain, get the guy on the bottom to rat the next guy, who rats the next guy, who rats the next guy, up and up and up and up. Um, so, so, so when do you think one of the, I mean, do you? you I think, don't know what's going to happen. I couldn't tell you what's going to happen, but uh, I do. I do think that. Um, you know one of the one of the things that sticks with me from from uh excuse me everything that's gone on so far is uh Loretta Lynch the attorney general saying at that press conference you know she kept calling it organized soccer as if it was sort of a metaphor for organized crime yeah uh, I thought that I thought I, that 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 sort of resonated with me. I never even thought about it. Um, I just you know it's I, I don't know what's going to happen entirely. I do know, and those of your listeners out there who've heard me on the Soccer Morning Show on Sirius XM or who follow me on Twitter know that I can't stand traffic sports, and you guys know traffic obviously because they've been involved with the Silverbacks over the years. Um, I don't think the NASL can exist without traffic. I think they're one and the same, and people who believe otherwise need to really step back for a minute and just think about um, what traffic's motives are. Traffic is trying to get back at Major League Soccer because Soccer United Marketing broke up a decades-long monopoly that traffic had on all the soccer marketing revenue in this country. People think that the NASL is trying to break up some monopoly that MLS has, folks, it's the other way around. It's absolutely the other way around. And I'll say this, too, in terms of the NASL's ties to this whole mess. Um, you know, the guy who owns the Cosmo, Seamus O'Brien? Right. I'm sure you guys have heard that name before. Oh, yeah. 
Um, he's real tight with Mohammed bin Hamam. Mm. If you all, your listeners can go, you know, go on your computer and then type in uh, Seamus O'Brien, Mohammed, I'm actually doing it right now, bin Hamam, and then a guy all in the same search query. The journalist's name, he's a professor, a professor at a university in Singapore, but he's done a lot of investigating into the stuff. The guy's name is James Dorsey, D-O-R-S-E-Y. And the results that will come up will tell you about how much money Seamus O'Brien has paid to Mohammed bin Hammam for marketing rights to Asian soccer over the years. Hmm. And uh, it ain't pretty. And it, uh, I think it tells you some things. You know, I, I actually kind of think that if the feds want Mohammed, then they should... You know, we talked earlier about how the whole racketeering concept is you get one guy who gets the next guy who gets the next guy who gets the next guy. Yeah. Um, They've got Aaron Davidson on the hook right now. And you take him, you get him to get Seamus, you get Seamus to get Muhammad, you get Muhammad to get Sepp. So do, let me ask you this. Do you think with these possible impending investigations, do you think this is going – I think soccer is corrupt every, almost everywhere. Do you think here in America – No, really. <laughs> yeah, uh, shocking, right? Um, do you think it's going to slow it down at all here in, in America especially? No. I, I don't because I think for all the flaws there are in Major League Soccer, more and more people around the world are looking over here and saying, hey, you know what? Those Americans are actually doing some things right. Mm-hmm. They're making money, obviously, hand over fist. Most all that money is pretty clean, you know? And, you know, we do over here, you know, everybody talks about, you know, in England, the whole, you know, oh, it's the club culture. It's for the fans. It's by the fans. It's not a business. It's not a you know about a money making entity or whatever. Well, we always over here in the United States, we've always had a much um, we've had much more willingness, I guess I'd say. We have a much better understanding that sports is a business. You know, I think we all we all U.S. and Canada and, and we we understand that. You know, it's we get it. You know, and one of the reasons why I write about the soccer business stuff. So much as you know, how's this sport going to succeed? We'll follow the money, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly, your SEC football has followed a lot of money <laughs> in recent years. Um, you know, it, it's people see what's going on. They see the growing interest, the television viewership, the attendances. They see the stadium infrastructure, and they, you know, over time. You know, the English folks who are so damn condescending, as always, they come over here eventually and say, hey, wait a minute. These people actually do care, and they do know what they're talking about. And, uh, you know, like most of England's former colonies, we tend to tell them to buzz off every now and again. Hmm. But, uh, you know, I think there's much more respect around the world for soccer in America than there used to be. And they see, in they, look, they see in Sunil Gulati, they see somebody who's, trying to do some things to clean it up and it's not easy and I'm not saying that Sunil is perfect but you know you cannot just walk into that room over there in Zurich 
just like you can't walk into Congress saying you're going to clean everything up in two seconds and slam your fist on the table and kaboom, it's all cleaned up. Mm-hmm. You work from the inside, you rise up your way through, and then when the opportunity presents itself, as Sunil has done, he said, yeah, we need to tra- publish the salaries, and then you know, we, need to, we need to publish the compensation of the executive committee members, and we need term limits, and we need some other things. And then, you know, he slowly built himself up. And then when the opportunity came, he swung the big hammer and he nominated Prince Ali of Jordan to uh, for the FIFA presidency. Right. And that was a pretty big move. And it certainly, it certainly seemed uh, to freeze him out of CONCACAF in a lot of ways, but he was willing to take the hit. You know, are you guys uh, are you guys watching um, the new Netflix show Narcos? I'm not. I I I confess, I spend so much time watching sports on television that I just don't get much time to watch a lot of serial TV. Uh, I'm not. I, I I'm looking forward to it. I've heard I've heard good things. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's it's, it's about what you expect. It's a good story, but of course, one of the details that is brought up, I think it's in the first episode, but is about uh, the the influence of the narcos on the uh, uh, owning soccer teams in Colombia, and, and you it's sort of presented as yeah. like a oh no you you can't like, that's crazy, and then you you know here we are talking about soccer as organized crime, and it just is like it's some <laughs> it's somehow yeah. so stark when you think yes they're drug dealers doing this that's obviously can't be good, and yet what do we have going on here that is a whole lot different. Um, what do we have here going on? It's all that different. Well, first of all, even though one of the big clubs down in Columbia was what on the Clinton, you know, ban them list or whatever it was for a while, wasn't it? Millionarios, maybe. I don't want to. I don't want to be wrong about that. I know it was a team. I just don't remember which one. But in terms of saying, you know, what are we doing here? I think I've got a good example for you. You know, I, I have on my desk a big binder with all the indictment documents from the, the big, you know, Jack Warner and the Cockcap scandal stuff that the Attorney General sent around. There was a, a you know, it covers you know the the, the periods in which Cockcap is fingered for being corrupt is from the inception of the Gold Cup up until I believe through 2003. I'm going to look it up right now, in fact. I can tell you in a few seconds. I believe I have it on here. Uh... There we go. Okay. Um so the, 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 the gold cups that were sort of fingered by that indictment document were from the inception of the tournament up through 2003, and then a, a gap, and then 2013. Which the 2013 one was the one where Aaron Davidson authorized traffic to pay the bribe to get the marketing rights back and the commercial sponsorship rights, mm-hmm. which is the commercial sponsorship is where a lot of the big money is, you know? Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. So, in two th- from 2005 through 2011, 
there was this gap in the indictment where the Gold Cup was ex- references that that those years of the Gold Cup were excluded. You know, they were not mentioned as being within the scope of this corruption scandal. Those four Gold Cups, five, seven, nine, and eleven, Soccer United Marketing ran the commercial sponsorship for the Gold Cup. Now, I'm not saying that MLS is as clean as a whistle or that the U.S. Soccer Federation is as clean as a whistle. I think at some point, if this stuff goes to trial, you're going to see Sunil Gulati on the stand. You might see Don Garber on the stand. I think you'll probably see Kathy Carter, who's the head of Soccer United Marketing. She might be on the stand at some point. But what's it tell you that in that period when Soccer United Marketing had the commercial sponsorship, those gold cups were not included in the indictment? <laughs> surprise, surprise, huh? Well, it was a little, I'm not going to say it was or wasn't, but I'm just saying when you're talking about what's the difference, you know, what, how do we know if entity X is cleaner than entity Y? You know, that was the question, right? Well, there's there's an example. I'm not saying it's the only one or the best one, but it's certainly one that it's been in the news and that we have some concrete evidence of. I suppose perhaps I'm thinking, and you know, perhaps this is yeah, I I I I I, I, I seem guilty of taking leaps and or stretches a bit too much, but I'm thinking. Qatar always comes back to my mind. And I guess I'm thinking in terms of, you know, it's easy to point a finger at the Colombian narcos and be like, these are bad people and they shouldn't be, you know, owning these teams and this is bad. And, you know, yeah, sure, like moving marketing money around and crony capitalism, like that's nothing new. We're all used to that by now. In fact, we might even be numb to it. But what's going on in Qatar seems to be a big, like that is crossing the line. So clearly, and yet it seems so difficult for us to condemn this organization, or 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 is it just, I or, or maybe it's not hard to condemn it, but it does seem to be almost impossible to get anything to change when you can't even get the 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 head of the snake to leave while he's under investigation. Well, here here's here's why, and we got you know, this part stinks, but we got to remember it. We are talking about coming from the United States of America here. And that doesn't always generate the best reaction in the rest of the world. It's too bad. You know, it's it's not something a lot of people like to hear, but it's the truth. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, give you an, I'll give you another example. There's plenty of people in the world of soccer who think that penalty shootouts are terrible. Terrible idea. Awful idea. Got to be some better way, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, have not just standing there and kick the ball, but try to do something else. You know, it's a little more of a, a, a to 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 paraphrase the the football saying, a soccer move. You know. <laughs> well, MLS tried that in the late '90s, and everybody revolted against it because it wasn't in the rules of the game, and it was, you know. And I think that that revolt was understandable. They wanted to see soccer played the way everybody else in the world played it, you know, on the field at least. So you can't go propose that now, can you? You know, because it was an American yeah. thing. And I'll give you another. Is video replay. You know. 
the U.S. can't take the lead on that because then it's going to be seen as an American thing, and there's people who are going to have backlash against it just because. Well, I know. That would make it right, but it's unavoidable. Yeah. Now, there is one instance I can think of, and I may be wrong in terms of the origin of this. Certainly the first time I've seen it. But water breaks, that seems to be a uniquely American thing. Well, it used to be that it was a uniquely American thing to play in 95 or 100 degree temperatures. Now it's not anymore. Right. Um, so that's fair enough, right? Because you, you know. I, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you another one. The idea of allowing a fourth substitution if a game goes to extra time. Or what, what's wrong with that though? Like I, I don't see anything nothing. wrong with adding more subs. Only thing that's wrong with it is that somebody might say an American came up with it. Yeah. Right. That's and what are they know? Trying to bring their American sports into soccer. <laughs> I know. Well, we're just trying to use sense, guys. I mean, it, I, I don't know. I have a problem with stuff like that. It's creative and it just makes sense and it helps the play of the game. It helps the viewer and uh, it, that one kind of struck a nerve with me. It's it's an unfort it's a shame that it has to be this way. But it is. Yes, it is. Too bad. <laughs> well, um this has been a uh, a really fascinating uh, and and really interesting discussion and um it's certainly uh the uh revealing of the well certainly not revealing but a discussion about Seamus O'Brien and uh and, and Ben Hamam, which I you know, I've pulled up this blog as well and look forward to, to delving into it because it you know, it's really fascinating how when you think about this whole organization, there there's really just a handful of connections that are powering a lot of this uh corruption. So um appreciate you uh bringing that up. Uh and, and, and of course thank you for, for, for taking the time to uh to join us on this Thursday evening, we've had a, a, a great, uh, great discussion. Um, just wondering if uh, one more time, just to bring back the conversation to Atlanta. Uh, I think we're all very excited about getting a uh, sort of a big name player. Um, if I recall correctly, and I probably don't, but did I don't really remember Philly. Um, or really any of the MLS teams that, that were sort of in the original crew really starting out with a big-name player uh, to attract fans. How important do you think that is, or do you think that's a little overrated? That's a tough one, boy. I think to a degree it varies by the market. You know, Philadelphia, you, Philadelphia all they care about is winning the game, you know, winning something. That's all that matters. Um, I think it. I think Atlanta needs it. But uh, no, Atlanta does. I think. I think you're right that Atlanta does. Yeah. Well, let's hope that and, we get and, one then, huh? Yeah, hopefully we'll get one. The, the rumor is Rooney, although if you've seen his recent form, um, I don't know if I want that. But <laughs> he would. He would. He would be. He would be a good one to have. Nonetheless, he definitely put some butts. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be better to have a Mexican star? I would I like would that very much. Chicharito to join the team. Absolutely. Oh yeah, me too. I'd love. It. Um, but I, you know, to your point, I think there are 
Um, and, and I would even actually go back to, um, we actually started this podcast around the time the uh, Gold Cup was going on uh, when we, Drew and I both attended the, uh, the games that were in Atlanta. And there is definitely a, um, certainly a big Mexican population here, but also a, a strong uh, Jamaican population here too. So it would not surprise me at all to see um, some uh, Caribbean and um, Latin American and Central American influence on this team, a strong presence. And uh, I think it would be wise for the team to do so. Um, but, you know, to your point, Arthur Blank seems to be pretty in tune with the community. So it'll be interesting to see how all of this shapes up, which we anticipate to start shaping up uh, in a little less than a year. That's when they'll start bringing on a coach and, uh, you know, eventually start bringing on some players. But uh, all, all in due course, there's plenty of soccer to be played between now and then, and we, uh, Drew and I, both look forward to covering that with you. Uh, once again, my, my name is James Carr, and you can find me on Twitter at James Carr. 89. You can find Drew at Collins Drew, and you can find our esteemed guest, Jonathan Tannenwald, at The Goalkeeper. Uh, once again, this is the Golden Goal Podcast. You can find us on Tumblr at goldengoldpod.tumblr.com, on SoundCloud, and on iTunes. Uh, thank you again for joining us, and we look forward to talking with you next time. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.